everyone, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the podcast. It has been a while since I've released another podcasting episode for good reason, one of which I have recently rejoined the dad life once again. I had the honor of welcoming baby number two into our household, and I have been home on paternal leave, not paternity, but or maternity, but paternal leave to be here for helping my wife, helping out with the family, and just spending time bonding, bonding with our little one. So let's go ahead and get this intro music out of the way, and then we'll jump right into the podcast. So let's go ahead and uh, welcome back. So it has been a little bit since I've released an episode of the podcast. And in today's episode, I kind of want to talk about a wedding that I just recently had. Well, not so much the wedding per se, but one of the questions that I got having an assistant out there on the shoot, he and I, we both sort of were uh, touching base on a game plan prior to, to going out to the event or the venue. And one of the questions that he asked me was, how many photos do you turn over to your clients? And I thought this was a really good question. It's one of which I did a lot of research in prior to even jumping into or setting foot into the sort of wedding photographer field. And ultimately, I decided that for me personally, I wanted to be able to just hand over all of the images to the clients that I didn't see a reason to keep any of the images or, well, I guess to, to kind of clarify, there's, there are a, a few approaches that I've experienced in my, throughout my photography career. And one of which doing my research to finding out how, how many photos to deliver to a client was one photographer, his approach was, I only want to give my favorites my photographer favorites. I only want to give photos that I would be proud to see out there in the world, whether printed or shared on social media or whatever, whatever have you, whatever, whatever medium these photos will be consumed or viewed in. He wanted full control of what the client gets. And I can understand that. That makes sense. You want, you always want to present your best work. And on the other side of that coin, there was another gentleman who said that he didn't want to keep anything. He didn't see the reason to, that he was hired to do a job and that job is to capture images and to deliver the images that he captured to the clients. They're not his photos to keep. They belong to, to the paying customer. And that really resonated with me because one, storage space, I don't want to keep, I don't want to keep client photos for any long duration of time. I, to give you a, a really quick rundown as to how I handle client photos, I keep them on my hard drives and my backup drive. And after a year, I, I either send out an email to update them as to 
you know, really making sure that they've saved these photos. It's also written in the contract. So if I do forget to, to reach out to them, you know, no harm, no foul. But after a year, I delete them off of my hard drive. They're not my pictures. Then it's not my family. It may sound cold, but it's not my family. It's not my couple. It's not, you know, or my relationship or my marriage. So I don't see the need to, to keep these images on my hard drive space. They're just, they take up, they take up space and I don't need them there. So after one year, I delete them. The other thing is that I don't, I see that the value in not wanting to release pictures that you might not be proud of, but more often than not, and it has been my experience almost every single time when I deliver photos to clients and they go through and post the images that they love the most and they praise about and they, they boast to their friends and their family. These have very seldom been images that I personally would have picked if it came down to, I'm only giving you images that I want out there. And my, my frame of mind with this isn't that, because as photographers and just as a creative in general, we are our own worst critics. And I just feel that it's, it should be up to the person consuming your content to make the decision on what they love. It's the reason why they're paying you to begin with. They love the, the work that you initially put out there. But when they go through and curate your work, they're going to find the images that they love the most because they know their face. They know their loved one's face. They know the little idiosyncrasies. It might be a little quirky smile or some, you know, weird look or just some look that that may have passed, you know, your thoughts, but the pictures have a more personal or intimate level to them that I, as the photographer, and maybe even you as the photographer might not ever understand or ever get. So to harbor those photos or to withhold those photos from the clients is a potential loss, I feel, in them being truly satisfied with the product that they receive. Another reason why I just give all the photos over is I don't like the back and forth. I like to really streamline my my workflow. So when I come out and I capture the photos, I come home, clients get sneak peek photos the same night because it's not that difficult to do. Put them in your computer, you scrub through really fast, you pick a few that you like as a photographer, edit them really fast if you're good in Lightroom and then export them and shoot them over via email. You can have it done within an hour tops. It's no inconvenience. The other reason why I like to get a sneak peek out the same day is that the internet is already saturated with the wedding. The wedding has happened and it is live. It's already out there in the world. People have seen it. They're talking about it. Why not get your work on that wave as well? Because if your turnaround time is in the months, people don't really care anymore. It's a, it's a cold truth. People don't, the, the public doesn't really care about the fact that we're talking about something that happened so long ago. You know, the weddings already happened. The honeymoons already happened. All of these images, all of these videos, they've already been seen. They've already been consumed. So I really like to get in front of that train or sort of in front of that wave and, and try to ride that 
And for the most part, it's been very successful for me. The other reason is that it gives you the opportunity to leave your clients with a some something unique because asking around and dealing with other clients who tell me stories of other photographers, it's a very rare thing, I think, to have a photographer leave you with something at the end of the night, leave you with an edited image or images to to take with you on your honeymoon, or if they're in a hurry to get out, say, um, thank you cards, that these are all things that your images should be on. I did one photo shoot. It was like a gender reveal for uh, a pregnant couple. And even though I was able to get them photos that same evening, the ones that they posted, the ones that they shared, the ones that they put out for the world were cell phone images. To me, it's like, yes, this is something that they're proud of, they're happy with, but I wanted them to have my images to put out there for the world, to to be able to say, hey, check this out. You know, here's our here's our new the gender of our newborn baby and to have a really quality product. So again, it's it's very difficult to to stay ahead of the social media train. You're either you either got the stuff out the same day or I feel it's too late even you've missed that boat. But definitely not dealing with any minimums. I don't want to have a continued back and forth conversation via email or phone. It's just you pay me to come out to take your photos. I come out there. I capture your images. I give you the sneak peek photos that evening. And then I keep you updated as the client as to where I am with the images. And I usually use like a percentage. So if somebody usually contacts me before I'm halfway through, then I'll just tell them I'm about 25% of the way or a third of the way through editing uh, slash reviewing your photos. But if they don't contact me, I always contact them at the 50% mark. And I let the clients know, you know, I'm halfway done with your photos. Here's another sneak peek. You know, you have to keep your clients excited with the fact that they hired you and that they they keep getting stuff for what they paid for. Not you just disappear and you don't hear from the, the photographer and they're wondering where their photos are. Clients shouldn't have to email me, I feel. They shouldn't have to come to me and ask me, hey, where are we at with the photos? I should tell them way before they even have the feeling that they need to ask me so that they're constantly in the loop so that they know it was money well invested. The other thing with dealing with uh, or not dealing with a, a back and forth communication is that once all of the photos are done, I hand them off to the clients and we're done for the most part. I do offer any retouching at no additional cost because again, it's all about 100% customer satisfaction. And maybe it's just my background working in the customer service field for so many years prior to landing, you know, a blue collar job. But I really feel like that personal touch that you can provide a customer with that makes them feel like it's money well invested and that they're not being left sort of out without a paddle. I paid this guy. I haven't heard from this guy. And then when he comes back and delivers my photos and there's a few of them that, because let's be honest, when, when a client maybe wants photos to be retouched, more often than not, it's a photo that they want to print. 
is a photo that they want to get a canvas of or that they want to put into their photo album. And it might just be one blemish. It might be there's a person in the background who's making a funny face. Can you remove that or crop it in? These are all things that if you deliver 1,500 photos, they're not going to come back with you. Or at least it's been my experience that I've not had a client come back to me and say, hey, can you retouch all 1,500 of these photos? Then we would probably have an issue. But for the most part, I've only had a client come back to me once and say, these are three photos that I want to get prints of, large canvas prints. And there was one issue on them. It was really minute. I don't want to get too into detail, but they said, can you fix this? And I said, absolutely. They wrote down the file numbers. They sent it to me via email. I edited it right then and there, and I emailed it right back because I was at my computer, so I was able to do that. Not saying that you need to be or have that quickly or have that quick of a turnaround, but it worked out in my benefit at that time. After all was said and done, clients have their photos. They're happy. They have all of their photos. They don't need to ask you or come back to you and say, hey, do you happen to have any more? We, we kind of want to see more. Because it's an entire day. It's an entire event. And some photographers, they have mandatory minimums. And these minimums may range from 30 to maybe 60 photos. And they might be just the photographer's picks. So you might not even get the photos that, say, you really love. When you give a, a sort of a pool that small then you you dramatically decrease the amount of satisfaction I feel a client can have. I don't necessarily think you'll have a client who's satisfied with all 30 or all 60 photos. But if you give them, say, all 1,500 photos, because that's not too hard to attain that many photos during a wedding, you might have a client that's satisfied with 100 or more of those photos. Because you've now increased the satisfaction pool. And yes, a lot of them are going to be duplicate or some of them might be in the same pose. But again, it's the subtle details that the individual is looking for. It's that smile that they see on their partner's face that might not have made your your pick list, but it definitely makes the client's pick list. So these are all the reasons why I decided when I was going to start in on this endeavor of photography, whether it's weddings, events, quinceaneras, bat mitzvahs, whatever the case may be, family photo shoots, maternity, I turn over all of the photos to the clients because again, it's what they're paying me for. They're paying me for my time, my camera, and my work. And with a program like Lightroom, It is not too far-fetched to be able to turn over 1,500 plus photos in a reasonable amount of time. At the time, it's, again, it's it's way too deep of a conversation to get into in just this podcast episode, but maybe I'll do another one where I talk about my editing or my workflow because, again, my turnaround time on photos for weddings, two to three weeks, two to three weeks. You should have your USB with your photos in your hand that anything longer than that. And I personally feel like, what are you doing? And again, it's 
it's all because of the, I'm cutting a lot of what I feel is wasted time, a conversation back and forth. Like, you know, here are some proofs, go ahead and sit through and pick 30 or pick 60 of them or pick however many you like. And then however many days or weeks go by till you get those back. And then it's like, okay, here are the ones they want. Now I'm going to sit down and edit these. To me, it's like, I got to hit the, I got to hit while the iron's hot. As soon as I get back from a wedding, like I had mentioned, I, I've already got sneak peeks out. And the next day I've already started going through the picks and the rejects. And what I mean by rejects is that these are images that I usually use for test shots. When I get to a venue or I am in a location, like say indoors or the outdoor location, I usually take like one or two test shots in order to get my exposure set. I I look for those and I reject those right away. And then any photos during the dance at the end, because I do have a flash for my camera, but I'm not the best when it comes to flash photography. So sometimes my flash does not fire. And maybe that's because I'm shooting too fast. I don't know. But any images that the flash does not fire and it's just a black image, Those are also pictures that I go ahead and I look for and I reject those. Also pictures that are out of focus. Sometimes you'll have somebody walk right in front of you or you'll try to focus. And I I do use back button focus hold. So I'll lock my focus and I'll press that back button. And sometimes my finger slips and the focus then wanders. And those images, I I search for images that are out of focus. but other than that, my rejection rate, at least with this last wedding, I took 1,900 photos, almost 2,000 photos, and I only rejected 100 of them because they were blurry or the flash didn't fire. Majority was because the flash didn't fire or they were the test shots as I went to different locations because we had indoors, we had outdoors during broad daylight, it was like noonish. I think the wedding actually started at three though, but the sun was like directly overhead almost. And then when it came to taking pictures of the couple after the wedding ceremony, I mean, the lighting just changes. So it's very easy to get three test shots in each location. So it can add up really quickly. But again, that's, that's sort of my take on how many photos I feel we should be churning over to clients. And I'm not a fan of minimums. And I'm not a fan of, there are some photographers out there who quote unquote hold photos hostage. It's like, here are 60 images or 65 or 100 images. And if you want the rest, well, you have to pay extra now. And to me, that doesn't make sense. It's either all or nothing. So it's definitely streamlined my workflow. It's allowed me the ability to have a two to three week turnaround time. And that's while working a full-time job. If I was doing wedding photography as a full-time gig, I would need to do something else. I personally feel because it wouldn't even it wouldn't even take me maybe 2 or 3 days at 8 hour 8 solid hours a day to slam out a wedding while using Lightroom cuz Lightroom is an extremely powerful tool. And the reason I am so confident when I say that is because I have a strong background in manufacturing and machining and CNC machining, so I know what it's like to work with large quantities and 
really try to be as productive as possible while maintaining a high level of quality. Because in the aerospace industry, you have plus or minus five thou. Sometimes you have to be, you know, spot on with your with your measurements or with the, you know your machining process. And these are all things that have to be taken into effect when it comes to the quality of work that you're putting out there as well. Not just copying and pasting settings and then rolling the dice and figure that it's going to be fine. But there are a lot of other techniques that I use to make sure that I get it right in camera on the day so that I I have to tweak very little when it comes to Lightroom. There's a look that I go for that I do change colors and temperatures and all of these other little things. But I I mean, I guess to give an example really quickly before I wrap up this episode is that one of the things that caused me so much, I guess not really stress, but so much, I what would the word be? So much of an inconvenience in the beginning when I was photographing, and this was any any type of photographing. It was maternity photos, it was couples or families, and even my first wedding was making sure the lines on the horizon or on doorways are either vertical or horizontal and level. These were things that when I got into Lightroom, and I would see my picture and it would be crooked, I would have to adjust that manually. Yeah, there is an auto feature and that works too, but it's just way too many clicks with the mouse key. And all of them were off by like a different degree. And my first wedding, I'm not going to lie, it took me two months to edit because I had a lot of images that were not level. The horizon was not level or doorways and windows were crooked. And these are things that I notice. Maybe the couple, they might not have cared, who knows. But to me, that's a product that I can't really put out there and put my name on it and really stand behind it 100%. So making sure that when I'm out there on location, on the day, capturing photos, that all of my images are level is hugely important. There's so many things I'm looking for whenever I put my eye to that to that viewfinder. And I wish that viewfinder had like a bubble level in it or something like that. I hear that, you know, the Sony Sony cameras with their EVA viewfinders or whatever like that um that they have, you know, a horizon or a level meter in it because it's a digital viewfinder. I I really wish that mine did, but again, I'm I'm more an analog, I guess, based photographer, so I'm still using the the mirror system, and it, it just requires that I pay attention to it. It's a skill set that I had to practice and hone. So when I get into the computer and I get into Lightroom, I have no photos that I need to adjust the level on. Again, trying to save time while on location and in the camera can make a huge difference than when you're actually sitting down at your computer and you have to make those changes in the software because if your computer's too slow or whatever the case may be, it's just putting more work onto you. Do it right the first time. You don't have to worry about it later. Again, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen to this podcast. It's been a while. I'm now on Stitcher. I'm now on SoundCloud. We're still on the Google Play Store and we're still on 
Apple iTunes. So wherever you guys may be consuming this podcast, be sure to get out there. Give me a thumb or a star or a check mark, whatever the voting or the rating system may be. Leave a positive review if you enjoyed this episode. And as always, you can find me on my Instagram at Ramon Campamore Photography. It's a very long last name, C-A-M-P-O-A-M-O-R, and then photography, because, hey, every photographer on Instagram has to have the word photographer or photography in their, in their handle. And as always, I will catch you guys again in the next one. See ya.